Twitter handle, at Religion of Woke. If you take a gun to a riot to protect businesses and you're attacked and someone tries to kill you, is it self-defense if you shoot them before they can kill you? Or do you forfeit your self-defense rights because you took a gun to a riot? So my previous podcast, I gave a summary of the Kyle Rittenhouse what happened, whatever, what happened when he shot those people, and then also what's been going on with um, the court case, because it's been moving forward. But after I published that and listened to it, I realized I left out some stuff, so I'm going to throw it in here. So the first thing is that I was talking about how I have a a not-woke buddy who, um, whatever, he wants Kyle Rittenhouse put up against a wall and shot, I mean... To exaggerate a little. But he's not woke. And so I'm now recollecting how that conversation went down. Like I said before, I was like, well, if he's found to be a murderer, he should go to prison. And if it's found to be self-defense, then he should go free. And my buddy was like, whatever. He agreed if he was found to be a murderer, he should go free. But he didn't think that um, self-defense should be on the table for Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle, as I call him, because he's a childhood friend. And so I pressed my buddy on that issue. Like, what? You don't think if it was if it's charged to be self-defense, he shouldn't go free? And here was his reply, I now remember. His reply, the reason why he would not budge, uh, was he's like, he brought a gun. Like, you know, he took that gun and went to the city that was having one of the most extreme riots in the whole Black Lives Matter series of riots. And so, you know, if you bring a gun to where there's a riot, um, basically self-defense is off the table for you. I think, you know, I mean, he wouldn't quite put it that way because that would be, uh, he'd have to reflect on his own opinions there. But I think, I think basically that's a summary of how he felt. Self-defense was off the table. You're a murderer. You brought a gun to a place that's a riot. And so I think that was, you know, that was basically the end of, that was the end of it from his side. But, you know, it made me want to look up the law more like, is it self-defense because you think it should be self-defense or is it self-defense under the law, you know, under the particular jurisdiction and the particular law that the stuff, the shit hits the fan. So a little bit about the law. This happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So it's Wisconsin state law that covers this stuff. And the first thing to know is that you cannot use deadly force to protect someone else's property. Like, you know, in this situation, it was rioters burning down businesses. And so, like, the owner of the business could use deadly force to prevent people from burning down his business. The business could also hire, like, security guards, and then they are... I don't know if you call it deputized or whatever, but um, they are now under Wisconsin law allows allowed to use deadly force to protect the business that hired them. And I can't remember if normal employees of a business are allowed to use deadly force. Like, you know, a mob is coming with torches to burn down your the building that your store is in. Who can uh, shoot 
each person who tries to light your store, you know, who's pouring gasoline on your storefront or whatever with a torch and has a torch with them too. Uh, well, definitely the owner and definitely security guards. And I don't know if employees can do it too. You know, now if there's human beings in that building, uh, maybe anyone can shoot that person because they're, you know, they're in, the, they're in the middle of trying to commit murder. But if you're just trying to commit arson... Uh, you got less rights on whether or not you can kill them. The second thing it made me look up about the law, and I don't know if this is Wisconsin, I think this is just generally across the country. Can you grab a gun, go to where you know someone is going to try and kill you, and then kill them? And the answer to that is no, that's not self-defense. Like, you know, can you bust in the door on your enemy's house, and as soon as they reach for their gun, you pull out your gun and you shoot them dead? No. It's premeditated. Like, you are going there to kill them, and it doesn't matter what they do. If you go there to kill them, and you kill them, there's absolutely nothing they can do that makes what you are doing okay, and you're still a murderer. So I did tell my buddy about that part. I'm like, do you think he went there knowing that they were going to attack him, and that he would, and that Kyle would be able to, you know, kill them in return, making it murder? And, you know, I mean, the answer is, I don't think anyone thinks he went there with, you know, he's like, that particular person is going to attack me, or I know someone's going to attack me. He's just like, you know, maybe someone will attack me. And so, basically, if you're like, maybe someone will attack me, that doesn't mean you went there to kill someone. But anyways, saying that, telling, explaining the law to my buddy uh, just got the answer, he went there with a gun. And like I say, that was, that's it. That was the end of, the end of it for him was he went there with a gun and... For his brain, that uh, justifies uh, the fact that it's murder. And we'll see what happens in the case. I don't think the prosecution is trying to say that he went there. Well, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Maybe the prosecution will bring up what I'm saying. Like, he, like, oh, Kyle knew that if he went there, he would get attacked by someone, thereby making it okay for him to kill someone. But because he knew that, it wasn't okay. Anyways, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But that's the law that I didn't mention. All right, and then some facts in the case I forgot to mention, or didn't know, actually. Um, so there was originally talk about him bringing a gun over state lines. Like, you know, he lived right on the border of Illinois and Wisconsin. And Kenosha was 15 minutes from his house. And all the media reports were like, he carried his AR-15 across that state line, and that's illegal if you are a minor. He was 17, so it's illegal to carry, it's illegal to take an AR from Illinois to Wisconsin if you're 17 or, or younger. Now, it turned out he didn't take the gun across the state lines. Like, what, did, what I had previously heard, and I think everyone, was, you know, this is all people knew previously, was that his buddy gave him a gun to go out there. But, okay, so the facts, it turns out that Kyle had his friend buy him that rifle. And so that's called a straw purchase. Like, if you know, if you're a criminal who is not allowed to own a gun or buy a gun, then and you get someone else to buy the gun for you, that's called a straw purchase, and that's illegal. I don't know if... This is an illegal straw purchase. I mean, he's a 17-year-old, so 
it's going to depend on Wisconsin law. I haven't I haven't heard if Wisconsin law allows a 17 year old to buy a rifle, but if it does, then it's probably not an illegal straw purchase. But it is a straw purchase. But so he had his friend buy the gun. He drew, you know, his house was like it's like a mile away from the border. So he he drove that he crossed that border. It was a mile away and uh, got his gun from his buddy and then went to Kenosha where the riot was happening. So I don't think that's illegal, but it's a little funky. It's a little funky. Oh, and then the prosecutor was trying to get admitted into evidence that he bought the gun with his stimulus payment. If you remember that, like COVID happened and whatever. The government sent out checks. Well, that's what Kyle did with his check. He bought an AR. And I think the judge was like, uh, you can't say that he bought it with a stimulus check. He's like, "What? why does that matter? And the prosecutor's like, well, we'll just let the jury decide if buying it with stimulus money is relevant. And I don't know. I don't know if that would make them be like, oh, he's a, he's a what? I don't know. I don't know what that makes him. But anyways, I think they're not going to be able to put that into the evidence, but we'll see. All right, some more evidence that I think is not being allowed into it, but I could be wrong, is there's a video of Kyle and a friend in a car parked across the street from a store being looted. And Kyle says, I wish I had my gun, I would shoot them. Talking about the looters. And the looters, I believe, are black. I think that's the only black people involved in this whole story, really. Which is relevant because people want to say that he did everything because of racism. But he said he wanted to shoot them, and instead he calls 911. And it was kind of funny because the prosecutor is like, this video shows a violent mindset in two different ways. The fact that he wants to shoot the looters and the fact that he ended up calling 911. So the idea that calling 911 is a violent act was amusing. And we'll just see what happens, but there you go. That's the other bombshell. And the first guy who was shot, he had um, three charges of child sexual offense that landed him in prison previously, and the court said that cannot be brought up in the case, which makes sense to me. Kyle had no idea this guy was a child molester, so that should not be brought up. I agree. Okay, but what's funny about that is that so he's chasing Kyle, trying to grab the gun, got himself killed, um, because he was molesting a bunch of, like, five- to nine-year-old boys previously, he's a felon. And so he cannot possess a gun. So as soon as he was reaching for Kyle's gun, well, basically, if he had been able to grab that gun and get it out of Kyle's hands, he's not allowed to do that because a felon can't hold a gun. I'd like to mention how, how does the judge decide what is led into the case? Well, they got, they got these two things that they weigh against each other on a teeter-totter, which is, is, uh, Whatever. Is something probative or is it prejudicial? And how much is it of each? So probative means, is it, you know, is it information that's related to the case? You know, useful information. Like, how useful is it? Is like how probative it is. It's very, very useful, then it's very, very probative, I guess you'd say. And then prejudicial is how much is it going to sway the jury? Like, you know, is it going to just really make the jury go one direction or the other? 
or is it not going to affect them at all? And so the judge weighs information that he lets into the case. Like, you know, you don't just... I mean, it's interesting. Anyways, lawyers don't just get to go... I guess, you know, like in the movies. In the movies, lawyers don't get to just go in there and give whatever whatever information they want. Um, it's kind of agreed upon beforehand. I mean, you know, if a, if a witness says something crazy, that's another matter. But as far as, like... Lawyers are like, I'm going to bring this guy on here because he's going to talk about this subject. And you have to say that beforehand. And the judge is like, okay, you can bring that guy on here to talk about that subject. And you can't talk about any other subject, for instance. But So there's a teeter-totter scale where they weigh whether or not something is probative or prejudicial. And so if something, you know, yeah, that's a little bit of information towards what you're talking about. But it's really, really going to sway the jury then basically that's kept out. It's uh, it's too prejudicial. Now, on the other hand, you know, if something's like, well, that's really, that's important information and it's not going to sway the jury, then uh, that's information you let in because it's whatever. I guess it's real probative. Anyways, there you go. I've heard those words before. I never knew quite what they meant. That's what they mean. <laughs>